Podcast Answer Man, episode number 10, an interview with Chef Mark DeFoya. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man, a podcast about podcasting and recently a podcast about interviewing and speaking with other podcasters and today is no different than that. In fact, I am yet once again having the privilege of talking to one of my favorite podcasters and today we are speaking with Chef Mark Tafoya of the Remarkable Palette Podcast a podcast about cooking and a podcast that really takes on a different flavor of podcasts that I've ever really listened to as as we'll get into today. But first I just want to go ahead and introduce you to the man himself, Chef Mark. Chef how Chef Mark, how are you, sir? Hey Cliff, how you doing? I've never been better and it gets better every day. Good. I love that. A, a different flavor. Well, of course it's a different flavor. We're talking about food. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so I'll tell you, let's go ahead and can, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, just a little background about who Chef Mark is? Sure. I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where my family has lived for nearly 100 years. Uh, they I'm were sorry, among... how many years? Because I Yeah, nearly 400. Oh, okay. Uh, you my... did say 400. Yeah, my family was among some of the original um, uh, Spanish that came to New Mexico in the 1500s. Wow. And uh, we've been there ever since. And I'm one of the few members of my family who has left New Mexico <laughs> in that time. So I live in New York City. Um, I went to school on the East Coast. I went to Yale. I majored in French and theater. I was an actor for several years. And uh, then I sort of got to a point in my life where I thought, you know, I want to do something else uh, for a while. So I actually became a chef. I've always been passionate about food and cooking. And so I <clears throat> became a personal chef. So I started blogging and then podcasting, thinking that it would be a really great way to promote my personal chef business. And uh, it actually has morphed into something entirely different. It, it turned out not to have been a, as direct a way to promote my business, although sort of in a roundabout way I've gotten a lot of uh, a business from it. But um, it's actually morphed into this whole media thing. And so uh, with my partner, Jennifer Yanolo, we created The Gilded Fork, which is a, an online food magazine which celebrates the sensual pleasures of food. And uh, we took that, we took the beginnings that I had from starting the Remarkable Palette podcast and brought together a bunch of other podcasters, and now we run the Culinary Podcast Network. That is amazing. Isn't it funny how once you start with one idea on podcasting, it really takes on a life of its own? It does. I mean, you, you're a great example of that. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely, I mean, if you have a passion and if you have a desire, you it, it, it's amazing how many people out there regardless of what your passion is if you're passionate about it there are other people who are also passionate about that who want to listen and get involved with other people who are passionate about whatever topic it is absolutely yeah the the biggest example of that to me is uh i'm not sure if you've heard me talk over talk about her before but rachel zc lisi 
she came to oh, me. Oh, yeah. And she came to me and talked to me. And she says, you know, I'm thinking about doing a podcast about Sims 2. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, for PlayStation. Well, not necessarily for PlayStation. This is just for the PC version. I'm like, okay, so you're going to limit it to them. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm putting this in a box. They get, okay, how do I tell her? Okay, uh, well, give it a shot, you know? But she's really found her audience. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's such a limited, narrow topic. And actually, I believe, would you agree with me that, that the more narrow your focus is, as long as you're passionate about it, that that even makes it so much more of a draw? It certainly makes it easier to find the, a core audience when you have a very narrow focus. It sometimes makes it difficult in terms of, you know, you might think to market it and to grow it beyond that into larger numbers. But the truth is that every podcast sort of probably has its own sort of native uh, numbers, you know, sort of like the, the amount that it can handle or should handle. And certain podcasts have an intimacy because they have a small, intimate group of people that are the listeners that maybe other podcasts that have larger audiences might not have. So I just think it's so great. There's space and room for, for every kind of podcast and every kind of audience, as well as you know participation. I mean, I think, like you say, there's certain passionate things that people are just so passionate about. I would never think to be passionate about The Sims 2 because it's not something that I, you know, that I play. Exactly. But yet she is is extremely passionate about it and and there are people all over the world listening to her and and when I think about this I mean now for me Mark I I remember always having a um a desire to learn things with technology and and even communicating with people I don't know if you ever had that when you were younger but for me I remember the first CB the citizens band you know getting my first CB and be able to being able to talk to somebody on the other side of town did you ever yeah. have an experience like that um I didn't, I mean, we, we didn't, uh, growing up, we, you know, I didn't have, uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so they didn't buy me things like that, but, um, but I certainly was very into it, and, you know, from an early age, I was a performer, I was, you know, I, I was an actor since I was, you know, 10 or 12, and I actually started my first uh, dinner theater production when I was 14, I mean, you know, I, I, w I thought, I've arrived, I'm getting paid to <laughs> act. You know, and then, you know, I, I did a lot of theater in high school. And, of course, I majored in, in French and theater in college and then, uh, you know, came to New York, became a professional actor. So I kind of have always had that in me. And this is just sort of an interesting, different kind of incarnation of that same desire to communicate with people. It is. It, I didn't I didn't I guess you had mentioned it before, but I don't I, I'm sure you've heard me say this before. I hear things, but yet I don't always put two and two together. But now it's just really ringing true for me. I, you've shared before that you were in theater and that you were an actor in our Lost podcast. But I really never thought of and put two and two together that you are have been in theater and that you've acted yeah and, until just now when i you was said actually that. yeah i was um i worked for the national actors theater for a while which was a, a company founded by tony randall and oh, wow. um and so for a year i was with the company and i did we did two shows on broadway um i did a production of the school for scandal which is a richard brinsley sheridan uh restoration comedy so it came from the 18th century britain and uh, we had a, you know, some pretty uh, prominent people in the cast. Uh, Tony was in it. Uh, Simon Jones, who many people know from the, um, from the old uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
Um, and he's been in some of the Monty Python films. But then after that, we did a production of Inherit the Wind, which is a classic American play which deals with the Scopes Monkey Trials, you know, the famous Scopes Monkey Trials um, in Dayton, Ohio. And um, that starred George C. Scott and Charles Durning, along with Tony Randall and some other uh, prominent uh, actors. So that was really a, it's an amazing highlight of my, of, you know, my time as an actor because I got to be on Broadway with George C. Scott. That is funny because, yeah. I, I mean, one of the things when I was in college, and I, I've never really shared this in any of the podcasts, I don't think, before, but in college I was a theater minor. And, oh. and I always remember uh, The Odd Couple because Tony Randall was in the television series The Odd Couple, right? Yes. And so one of the very first plays that I played in, I played the character he played on television in a play. The oh, odd, you in, played Felix. I played Felix in in the uh, Odd Couple, the actual play itself, and <laughs> I remember that was the first. I had to remember the word phenobarbital. It was the first time I'd ever heard of phenobarbital, but I, they, I always had the hardest time with that one line. It, yeah. Oh, but, that's yeah. One of my favorite lines was actually Oscar's line, where he talks about, you know, I come home and I find these notes on my pillow. We're out of cornflakes. F you. Uh, clean up the bathroom. F you. It took me an hour to figure out that F you stood for Felix Unger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was awesome. That is a classic play, by the way. Yeah, Neil Simon is really a brilliant writer. He is. All his stuff is just brilliant. Like it's you have to like it's hard to ruin Neil Simon. Like you know, it's just it's all right there for you as an actor. Like everything it's written in like the way it's written is just the timing is so great with all of those. Uh, plays it is L let me ask you something else about your just a, a little bit more of your personal background and that is that you're somewhat a, are you a world traveler I mean you've been around I have yeah it's one of my it's one of my other passions I mean you know my three great passions in life are travel uh, performing and food and yeah I've I've been able I've been blessed I've been able to travel uh, a lot of places um, my first big traveling was when I was in college. I did a junior year abroad in France, which was appropriate because I was a French major. And uh, during that time, I was able to travel all over Western Europe and Greece and Italy and Spain and Switzerland and, and all those places. And then over the years, you know, that, I just got the bug. And so I've gone to a lot of places. You know, I've been to most countries in Europe. Um, I've been to several countries in Asia. Uh, haven't made it to Africa yet or Australia, so those are or South America. So those are still on my, uh, you know, on my radar as places I'd like to go. Wow. Now, do you ever now that you're in the podcast, and do you ever think of how much different it would have been if you could have done sound seeing tours back then? Oh God, that would have been so great. But let me tell you, I got a little uh, taste of that last year because I went on a press trip to Spain to to Rioja, and uh, so I was able to do some sound scene tours from Spain which uh, was really nice because that's where my heritage lies. You know, my family, uh, my name is Tafoya, and there is a town in the north of Spain in Navarra, which is a region of Spain right next to Rioja, and uh, the town is called Tafaya, T-A-F-A-L-L-A. It's -L -L mm. uh, spelled slightly differently from my name, but that is the, you know, the name from which our name comes. And so last year, uh, or two years ago, when was it? Oh, gosh, a year and a half ago. I don't know, whenever it was. It was about a year and a um, half ago. 
my uh, my yeah, there you go. Thanks. Um, my uh, my family and I we traveled there together to Tafaya, so it was really nice to 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 see that. Oh, okay. I was thinking about the press tour. That was that wasn't quite a year ago, though. No, no, the press tour was just back in October. Okay, um, that's right. But there there we stayed in Rioja, which was. Uh, which is to the west of Nevada. And but, I, yeah, that was great. So I got to do some sound scene tours. Uh, we did a we did a tapas crawl in a, in a town called Logroño. There's a there's a place called Calle Laurel, or you know the Street of the Laurels, and it's known. It's very famous for tapas. So it's this whole neighborhood, and every single spot is a tapas place. And at night, basically, everyone congregates there, and they have their drinks, and they go to a different tapas bar. Every bar has its own specialty of, you know, they basically just do one dish, one kind of food. And then, you, you know, you have something there, you have a drink, you go to the next bar, you get their dish. And so you can just have your whole evening spent uh, enjoying yourselves, hanging out in the middle of the street with all your friends or new friends, and, uh, you know, have some of the really great, really inexpensive uh, wines and eat some amazing food. I mean, some beautiful uh, wild mushrooms and um, uh, some really great serrano ham and the famous white asparagus of northern Spain. Uh, just some amazing dishes. And they're cheap. They're so inexpensive and it's so casual. And, and you know, I, I share very little passion for some of the unique foods that you do. But I will tell you that I was enthralled. I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I was totally right there with you during the sound scene tour as you were going along and I really felt as though I was there I mean I literally I sat on the couch I was closing my eyes and I'm sitting there listening to you going from place to place talking about what you're seeing and and that's what I love about sound scene tours especially with a nice digital audio recorder that has a a real crisp stereo sound Oh, yeah. And you're using some special equipment, something that I think I may have even told you about. You want to tell us about the equipment that you use for that? Yeah. Actually, that's an interesting uh, topic because I've used several uh, different pieces of equipment, which um, it sort of evolved over time. And I actually have um, a great deal of appreciation for, for uh, a couple of different pieces of equipment. But right now, I'm using the Ederol R09 uh, which I had had my eye on, and I'm so glad that you actually took the plunge and bought one and started uh, podcasting with it and playing with it because uh, that was when I heard that I said, "Ah, oh, great! I've got to get that." Because I've actually uh, prior to that I was using the Marantz PMD 660, uh -huh. which is an amazing piece of equipment. It's really great. I mean, it really has been the industry standard uh, for uh, field recording for reporters for quite a you know a couple of years now. Um, the only issue with it is just a little bit larger. You know, the Ederol is so small and compact that I find that it just goes with my lifestyle in such a way that I'm basically able to carry it with me everywhere. And any moment that I have the opportunity to record, I can whip it out, and in 10 seconds, I can be recording. Absolutely. Um, I have it set up so that I can, you know, I basically have three ways of recording with this setup. Uh, as you know, the Ederol has onboard mics, uh, which I use on occasion, but not that often. Um, mostly, I've used the, I've used the onboard mic when I'm recording myself cooking in a kitchen cast, and I set it on the table, and it and it's able to gather all of the room noises. And in those instances, I really want all of the room noises. I really want to hear the sound of the of the saute pan sizzling, and I want to hear the sound of the knife as I'm chopping the vegetables. Um, but in other cases, you don't want that. So that's really one of the few times. Sorry, that's really one of the few times that I use that. Um, and then I've got it set up so that I, I also use binaurals. I have a, a pair of binaural microphones, which, uh, for people who may not know, are they're like 
stereo headphones, uh, only instead of hearing out of them, you're actually recording into them. And uh, I don't know, have you spoken about binaurals before on your podcast? No, in fact, that's the, that's the one, that was the other piece of equipment that I had told you about that I'd heard from, uh, what show was that? That was a, the something experiment, the digital media experiment. Oh, okay. And so you okay? So you'd heard some binaural recordings, but you hadn't. Uh, you've never used them. No, I've never used them, but I did tell you about them. Well, I've been using them actually for almost a year now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've I've had them for a while. They were actually the first, the first microphones, the first actual microphone that I bought were the binaural microphones. Um, and so I've been using them for quite a while, uh, and they're really great. I love them. Um, the particular ones I have are from Microphone Madness. And I purchased them from B and H uh, Photo and Video, um, and uh, there are uh, there are other brands of uh, binaural microphones. What I love about these ones is they look just like uh, uh, earbuds with you know the kind that that have the little clip that goes behind your ear. Yes, those kind of headphones. And so if I'm walking in the street with my Edderall and and the binaurals, people think I'm just listening to uh, you know some kind of uh, MP3 player. And not only that, but if you have your Edderall and it happens to be like a place where it's a little chilly and you've got a jacket, the Edderall fits right in your pocket and you can be recording right. and people don't even realize it. I mean, yeah, it, they don't even exactly. pay attention to you. Yeah. And the whole, you know, the whole thing about that is that because even, even if you're holding the Edderall, people think it's an MP3 player. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the Morantz, it's just a big piece of equipment and right. it looks really professional and everything. And it's great, but it's, it's very, I mean, you can't be subtle about recording with a Morantz. Absolutely. So I have the binaurals, and let me just explain what binaurals are, because they're essentially stereo microphones, but because they're split and you wear them on different sides of your head, they create a, a really rich sound scene experience. They create a stereo recording, but each side is recording the stuff that, it's, that is on that side, because they're facing outward from your head. Mm -hmm. you know, so they're on your ear, they're facing 180 degrees different direction. So a good example of this is if I'm walking down the street and a fire truck comes by, and let's say the fire truck is behind me and on my right, and then it's going across, you know, down the street. So you're going to hear it really strong in the right ear and not so strong in the left ear. And then as it goes by, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sort of get really loud because it's getting closer to you. And then as it leaves, it'll be really strong in the left ear. So if you're listening to a sound scene tour recorded with binaurals and you close your eyes, you can actually, you're literally hearing exactly what the person who recorded it heard. Exactly. In fact, that's what I love about stereo recording is, is that whole feeling of literally being where that person was and, and that stereo sound. The, the, yeah. That, for me, I believe a sound scene tour has to have some sort of stereo uh, set up, whether they be binaurals in one in each ear, or at least get a decent um, stereo condenser mic that that is basically pulling it from two different ends to where you kind of get the same sound and same. Feature. That's the key. That's the key. The the one thing about the Edderall, I think some some criticism has been this. This is a valid criticism. Is that the the placement of the microphones on the Edderall, they're just sort of facing the same direction, which means that if you, if you were just to walk around with the Edderall itself, you might not get the same kind of quality as with binaurals or with, let's say, some of the equipment that has um, an XY configuration. Yes. And, and another um, thing about the Edderall, the uh, Edderall R-09 is what we're talking about by Roland. 
um, is that it does not come with any sort of windscreen. And so when you're out in the open, if there happens to be a breeze that comes by, because the condenser microphones are so sensitive, it really clips a lot when, when there's a good breeze blowing out there. So you, you almost have to either uh, have an external mic that, that you'll be using with a windscreen on it, or I, I guess I've heard other people taking a rubber band and some kind of foam that they rubber band around the unit itself. You know, that's a funny story. I used to, when I first started podcasting, I'll tell you, this is, this is crazy. I had a third generation iPod and there was a little piece of equipment. In fact, I have it right here. I'm going to pull it out. It's a little um, uh, plug-in microphone made by Belkin. And it's just a one-piece thing, and it and it has a, a mini jack and then a tiny little other plug thing that fit onto, if anyone remembers, the um, the third-generation iPod. It had in the center of it was where you would plug in the, um, the, the, the headphone jack. So it would go into that, and there was a little like rectangular thing that would also go into that and then this was would enable you to record and I thought I was great I was like running around with my iPod recording things and of course it records at 8,000 hertz you know 8, oh, no. 8 megahertz which is horrible and and just and also because the iPod is essentially a hard drive every time the hard drive would turn you would hear it recording so it wasn't so bad if I was out and about but it was really bad I did a few interviews where I set it on the desk and I was interviewing people, and I thought, oh, wow, I'm really great. You know, I've, I'm, a, I'm an audiophile. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, where, I, where that really ran into problems was trying to import some of the recordings into Cast Blaster and then playing them through Cast Blaster because I found that unless they were recorded at the proper bit rate, and, uh, then they actually played, they had this horrible, uh, twisted, metallic sound. And, and in some cases, they were, it was just pure noise. Right. Uh, so, you know, I said to myself, okay, I know that I'm into this podcasting. It works for me. I've got to get better equipment. But d the, the point of that story is that because I was doing a lot of sound scene tours and tours at the green market, which was pretty windy, I took a piece of styrofoam and I laid it over the little Belkin microphone and I taped around the entire unit so that there would always be a little bit of a windscreen there. And it helped, but it didn't help so much because the quality of the actual recordings were so bad to begin with. <laughs> that is classic. But now I've sunk a lot of money into this podcasting thing. <laughs> yes, that, that it, it tends to happen to the best of us. So I have um, one of the other last things that I'll, I'll mention about the Ederol is not only is it great for out and about recording, I don't know if you know this, but I no longer record any audio into any computer system anymore, Mark. Yeah, I know. You told me that. That's great. And I, I like that you're able to route it in the way that you route it through your mixer. Exactly. So basically what I do is I use the tape out um, RCA jacks from my mixer and I use a little patch cable that takes two RCAs right and left and it condenses it all down into a stereo eighth inch jack and I plug that directly into the line in on my Ederol and every podcast is directly recorded right into the Ederol and the nice thing about the Ederol, it'll record into all kinds of different um, bit rates for MP3 or you can actually record straight into uncompressed WAV format. So that Which is can... what I use. I use the WAV format for all my recordings on the Adderall. Well, that's be... you probably go in and edit some though, right? I do, but even if I don't edit, I can then, um, you know, 
put it up in Audacity, add the music, and then output it as an MP3 file for the final version. I, I just don't like the idea of using MP3 files and then compressing them further for another MP3 file. Well, see, that's the thing. I, it, exactly. If it, but the thing is, is, once I'm done recording, for example, our our interview right here is, is being recorded directly into 128 kilobit MP3. And as soon as I hit play... I literally, I'm just going to, I'm, all I'm going to do is edit the ID3 tags, which of course doesn't affect the audio quality, and I'm going to upload it, and it's going to be put out into this feed. So, yeah. so I don't touch it. But you're, you're right. If I'm going to do any kind of editing, I'm going to record in Wave. But one of the things I want to warn you about and kind of bring up in this discussion, uh, talking about the fact that some of us aren't audiophiles, but yet there are some people who are real picky. I'm really picky when it comes to to audio quality in podcasting. Uh, the reason why is because pretty much most people have broadband, especially if they're listening to podcasts anyway. I would think it would be impossible to download a podcast if you were on dial-up. I mean, it would just take too long. There it, there have been about two or three people over the last year says, I'm downloading your podcast and it takes me four hours. And I'm on episode two. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and like, I'm not going to change this. No. So yeah. here's the situation. Have, what do you, when you're using and exporting in Audacity, what bit rate are you exporting to? I generally have it at 128 but sometimes for some I um our show also goes out on Sirius uh -huh. uh, one, once a week um we're part of Adam Curry's pod show block on Sirius right. so they have very specific um requirements for the how the files have to be we have to put it out in mono um and 96 uh, uh kbps and uh there's some other you know some other sort of characteristics that we have to put in there um, but for the most part most of my shows go out in stereo and on 128 kilobit. Right. One of the th have you ever noticed when you're playing back any of your shows? Now I haven't really paid attention to your shows because I'm really when I'm listening to your shows, I'm really listening to the content. Especially, by the way, the Randall Shreve uh, interview on your Remarkable Mark Pal or Remarkable oh, yeah. Mark podcast. Yeah, let's talk about that. My other podcast is called Remarkably Mark. And it's, I call it, you know, my tagline is a chef's life outside the kitchen. So it's my sort of hobby podcast. It's my fun podcast. It has a much uh, uh, smaller listenership. And it's just sort of, I get to talk about theater. I get to talk about, you know, and I interview a lot of my friends who are still in, in the business. Um, I talk to musicians. I talk about politics. I do New York City sound scene tours. So, yeah, so I spoke with Randall Shreve, who is a musician that I, that I discovered on MySpace, and I got a chance to go to his gig here in New York City a couple months ago, and he let me record it live using my binaurals, by the way. And, uh, and then we, we had an interview, and I just put that out a couple weeks ago, and that was a lot of fun. This guy is a great musician. He uh, is. I'll let, I'll let Cliff talk about him. I'll tell you what you well you had sent over one of your live recordings to me of the song Hallelujah, uh, that that is typically I think made famous by Jeff Buckley and a couple other folks. Yeah, uh, but I was turned well, on. Well, and you know Rufus Wainwright recorded it for a movie, and like there's been a lot of recordings of it because it's a beautiful song. It is absolutely a beautiful song, and I had never heard of it before except for a sound seeing tour of uh. Ireland, <laughs> of Dublin, Ireland from Father right. Roderick. Father and Roderick, yeah. So the, the Catholic Insider podcast, Father Roderick, this this uh, Dutch priest from the Netherlands, is doing a sound singing tour of Ireland, and there's a street musician 
playing uh, with a little steel guitar and one of those little tiny, you know, little tiny box amplifiers, and he's singing Hallelujah. And and Father Roger captures that, and I fall in love with that song. In fact, I stripped the audio of that out and made it a file and put it in my MP3 player just to listen to. Just to listen to it. Exactly. Wow. I had never heard the song before, and I never knew that it was recorded anywhere. But yeah. And then I got... Uh, and I you know the funny story about that is that that very same street musician, I've heard him play myself too. I was in Dublin... Uh, a couple of years ago, and that he's right there on Grafton Street, which is a famous walking street in, yes. in Dublin, Ireland, and that's his spot. He's always at that one spot, right next, right across from the flower market. That is amazing. Uh, and I've heard that actual musician live. Of course, if I had my equipment at the time, I would have probably recorded him too. <laughs> <laughs> so then I hear from you and some other folks that Jeff Buckley and Rufus Wainwright and all these other folks had had uh, recorded this, and even I think what's her name. Um, the country artist, what's her name? The the controversial one, Katie Lang. That some people consider her to be controversial, anyway. Oh, has she recorded Hallelujah? I, I believe so. I'm I'm hey, like ninety. Yeah. I'm like 90% I know uh, Leonard sure. Cohen. Leonard Cohen did yes. a recording of it. Yeah. So so I went into iTunes and I I tried to find one that sounded as close to that Irish or the the Dublin Dublin musician. As as I could, and it came out to be Jeff Buckley. He won the contest. Yeah. So I, well, that's appropriate since it's his song. Exactly. So <laughs> so I downloaded that and record and, and and I paid for that, and then all of a sudden you sent me this piano rendition of it from Randall Shreve, and I'm like, no way, that sounds awesome. And yeah. then of course you turned me on to his music. I went over to his MySpace page over at MySpace.com/slash Randall Shreve. And uh, it's just like it sounds. Anyway, his music is simply phenomenal. I fell in love with everything he has on there. And and you kept saying, when are you going to have him on the podcast? I want to show him on the podcast. I said, yeah, I've been trying to get you know get a hold of him. He was in the process of moving, basically. Oh. From he he lived in Orlando for the last few years, and now he lives here in New York City. He moved he moved here with his girlfriend. Uh, who had been living here already. And so he, when I managed to get him for the recording, he had literally been in New York for one week. That's, uh, yeah. And, and what I wanted to just say that I've heard some uh, music podcasts before. I've even put, you know, put my own hand at the wheel to try to give that a shot. And I've listened to some of the other more professional ones, that at least the ones, let's just say, that have been around for a while. And then I listened to yours with Randall Shreve. I don't know if it's really so much that... Uh, maybe it was had a lot to do with the fact that I, I have recently really fallen in love with this music that he sings, and especially the the fact that he writes his own music, he's playing his own music, singing his own music, and 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 doing so much. And, and I know he does some covers, but he really has this dynamic sound all about him. And then you, the conversation that you had with him was amazing. And then how you inter, you know you mix the music kind of like you fade it in while you're still having a conversation about the song. And then you you fade into the song, and then you fade out, and and the conversation flows. And I know you did a lot of that in post production, but I just want to say to date, and I've been I've listened to a lot of podcasts to date. Your remarkable or remarkably Mark podcast, uh, where you interviewed Randall Shreve, is by far the best music podcast episode I've ever heard. Oh, thank you. That is really that's wow. That's quite a compliment thank you so much it, it, it was it was good I, spe- I, I mean because you recorded I guess in a local pub or something and- yeah we were actually at a place called Valhalla it, it's a uh, 
specialty beer uh, bar, you know, a bar, but they have specialty beers, you know, uh, on, on, on tap. So it's a great place if you like beers, you know, different kinds of beers, beers from Germany, Australia, New Zealand, all over the world. Great place. It, and it was fitting for, for the style of interview and everything you were doing. So many interviews are done via Skype. I mean, we've all done that. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. And we had talked about it and I said, look, if, if, if it works out for you, then we'll have to do that. But I said I'd really rather just meet you in a, in person. I mean, I already met him in person, but I'm saying you know for the interview, I'd rather just meet in person and get it. You know, because there's something about the quality that you get in real life. And I've, as you can't tell already, I'm really a big fan of things that are set in real life. I don't really like. I don't prefer my audio to be super clean with no sound in the background. I like real life sound. I just uh, trying to be very conscious that it not be so overwhelming that it really takes away from the experience. But I think for me as a listener, I love sound scene tours. I love even just regular uh, interviews where I know there's real life going on in the background because it, it's like I, it's like I'm a fly on the wall. Yes. You, know, you get to sort of spy in on what two people are talking about and it's in real life. It's not in a studio. And and that you know what and and that's really what I'm about is is capturing real life events in podcasting and I I used to label it laziness because I was just too lazy to spend hours and hours editing I get tired of getting rid of all the uh ums um you know through the recordings and finally deciding you know I'm just gonna release this and when I did that there was a couple times when I'm like oh I should really edit this because Megan came in and interrupted me for just a moment. And I got overwhelming. I over it was an overwhelming number uh-huh. of emails after the first time Megan interrupted a show, and and we were right in the middle of a conversation. She comes down during you know when she's supposed to be in bed. We have a little conversation. You know she said she asks us a question. And it's like Megan, you're stalling. And and I said okay, it's time for you to go to bed. And she goes yes, sir. And she goes right up to bed. And she goes can I give you a kiss? And we give her a kiss. And and then she heads back. And then we went back to the show. But we completely said okay, we're in the middle of a conversation here. Our daughter has entered the room. Sorry, podcasting comes after family. We're dealing with family. Now we're back to podcasting. And that spoke volumes to our listeners so much that we had five times as many emails that week than we ever did before. And they said, leave that in there. Yeah, that's the that's what I call I just it's very simple. It's the power of authenticity, you know, and and we as podcasters have the ability to present life in an authentic way. And I mean that in two ways. In the first way, it's authentic just from a technical point of view. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not glitzy. It's not in a studio. It's not in a theater. It's not like a film that, you know, where they get to make 20 takes and get it perfect and then do CG with it and all that. It's just real life. And in a second way, I mean that it's authentic in the sense that, sorry, there's, there's very authentic. Exactly. There's Steva in the background letting, you know, letting the neighbors know that uh, he doesn't like what they're doing. Um, but it's authentic in the sense that, it really gives you an opportunity just to be real, you know, and really have a real connection with people. And I think what you responded to most about that Randall Shreve interview was just his authenticity. I mean, he's a real guy, and he really is just very genuine, and we had a real connection. I mean, in that I really love his music, too. And uh, so that was just – it was just a really great moment where we were relaxed and real with each other. And I think that we've been given media so often – that is devoid of that real lifeness, and there's a certain degree of artifice 
that's sort of painted over so much of what we consume that it's just so refreshing to see real life once in a while. It is. And and, and I would never dream of taking Steva out of this because Steva is a part of who you are. I mean, <laughs> Steva's even on the website. He is. He's right there in my in my uh, avatar. He's sticking out of my shirt. You know, he's a little <laughs> red miniature pincher who's feisty and tough and Napoleonic, just like his dad. There you go. So yeah, and if I can take it back to the to the equipment side of things here. Yeah, sure. Um, the the Edderall, I had I had mentioned that you know I'm I'm kind of just recording straight into this Edderall thing, and the other things that we can do with with equipment is amazing just, just if you wouldn't mind telling me uh what are some of your equipment setups that make for like your um in studio recording what kind of stuff are you using there do you use okay. mixers what, how are you doing that absolutely i'd love to talk about that and in fact i want to i i want to talk as much about the Edderall as possible but i also do want to talk about the morants because i haven't stopped using it um we still use that. Actually, uh, my business partner, Jennifer, has it in her possession right now, and she uses it uh, a lot, too. Um, so I think it has its place as well. But uh, I was talking about the different, like the, the three different setups I have with the Edderall for field recording. There's the onboard mic, the binaural mic. I didn't actually get a chance to talk about the other mic that I use, which I use an EV, which is Electro Voice brand. It's the RE50B. It's a shock-mounted dynamic omnidirectional mic, and it's pretty much the industry standard when it comes to field reporter-type microphones. It's really great because it's built really tough. It has very low handling noise, and it's got a really great windscreen. Um, and it is, it is an omnidirectional mic, so it's going to pick up the room, but the great thing about using this kind of mic with either the Edderall or the Marantz is that if I am in a loud environment, and quite often I am, I do a lot of food events, uh, wine tastings, uh, conventions, uh, dinners, you know, uh, awards dinners, things like that. We cover a lot of that on the Culinary Podcast Network. So I'm in a space where people are, you know, having drinks and eating dinner, and they're they're walking, they're talking in like a cocktail party, and it's noisy. So when I'm interviewing someone in that in that context, I can hold the microphone right up to their face, adjust my, my input volume so that it's lower, make sure that that we're both speaking up, and then the the noise in the room by by contrast is lower. Um, and so that enables me to really have somewhat control in a situation where I don't have any control of the of the noise. I can't say everyone be quiet. We're recording, you know, if we're at a, if we're in a exactly. restaurant. Um, so I'm able to adjust with that. And this microphone is just a really good microphone. So the the way that I use that is because it's obviously it's a standard microphone, so it uses XLR inputs. But I just have a very simple and very inexpensive. I think it was like twelve dollars adapter. It's a it's a female XLR. To, um, to mini jack, to stereo mini jack. And that goes right into the same mic jack that you use right on top of the Edderall for, uh, you know, for the binaurals or for right. any other mics that you use. Um, and that is just, it's, that has been a real lifesaver for me because uh, with the Marantz, it only has XLR inputs. So I was only ever able ever to use this, you know, standard reporter dynamic mic with the Marantz. I wasn't able to use my binaurals with the Marantz. Right. And so, Prior to getting the Adderall, when I went on sound scene tours, I would use the old-fashioned solution, which was a Sony mini-disc recorder, um, which is it's fine. I mean, it's, it's fine as a recorder, but where that becomes a problem is transferring files. Yes. You, know, you have to plug it in via USB to your computer, and then it takes, you know, you have to download the files and then transfer them and, and you know, um, adjust them because they, they come out as um, as 
you know, some kind of Sony proprietary software, and then you have to uh, convert it into a WAV file and do this, that, and the other. I mean, it's a lot of work that way. Right. Um, so with the Ederol, I was able, you know, I had one. I have now one solution. I have three recording setups. I can switch within 10 seconds. The only switch I have to make is on the unit itself. I have to switch the um, the uh, phantom power on or off, depending on which microphone I use. Right. With with the the handheld uh, dynamic mic, I turn it off because obviously dynamic mics don't need uh, the phantom power boost. And with the binaurals, I turn it on. It's as simple as that. And I'm able to record, as I said, I record onto the 16-bit wave. Um, that's just my standard that I use. Sure. One of the things I really love about the Ederol, and, and of course, this we're not being paid, by the way, by Ederol. We both probably paid full, uh, not retail price, but or not list price, but we both paid full price for our, our recorders. But my my favorite thing... I think I paid the list price. <laughs> Did you pay the list price? <laughs> well, I paid three ninety nine for it. So Yeah, you paid too much. But, <laughs> do you have a pen and a piece of paper, Mark? And if not, you can just listen to this podcast later. I'm going to tell you you and everybody else a secret this is a secret it's only for us podcasters okay proaudio.com that's p r o audio oh yeah i know dot com yeah okay they are all about broadcast however if you go to their website they have very similar pricing on their website as musicians musiciansfriend.com which is very good pricing However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you, go to ProAudio.com, write down the the item and the item number and the price on the website and write all that stuff down, then click the contact button on that website. Get the phone number to give them a call at their 800 toll-free number. When you call them during business hours, Monday through Friday, call and ask for the sales department and ask to speak to a man named Scott price you will get an unbel- an unbelievable discount too low to advertise it, we can't well, say it on the ad well i'm using <laughs> i'm using a heil pr40 broadcast microphone from musician's friend i think i ended up paying like 325 328 dollars i paid and and it was the same exact price on proaudio.com i think i ended up paying like 235 for it from scott price Okay. Yeah. This is good for me to know because I actually have to buy two more Edrolls uh, relatively soon because we have two more podcasts that we're creating with um, other people who are in other parts of the country. That uh, so far we've been using the mini discs, but it's it's becoming unwieldy. So I'm gonna have yeah. you know we're we're ready to use the Edrolls, and this is a great piece of equipment. It, it is, it. and and one of my favorite features of the Edrol is simply the the little menu, the the display on the front. It has all the information you could ever need. But I really dig the 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 um what do you would you call those bars the meter bars that, yeah that your your levels your audio levels are indicated when I'm speaking I see the bars raising I can see when I'm peaking and then of course we always have on the left hand side of the machine or the unit you can uh, gain up or gain down your line levels so if you're peaking too much in and because of the environment or you have your mic turned for example if I have my board turned up too high I can actually lower the input and and bring those levels but I can consistently monitor the audio level so that you know one of the things that made me used to uh, have to go in and edit audio was that I'd have to go in and adjust the audio levels because I wouldn't be able to get them just right. Yeah. You or know, if you have two people speaking, one is maybe a little bit louder than the other, so you've got to uh, you've got to um, uh, 
you know balance them out exactly and and what would happen is we would have it would it would be inevitable that when Stephanie and I co-host a show together which we do quite often um, she when we do our sound check she's always like yeah okay testing one two but when we're talking she's like this <laughs> it's like uh, right it's real somehow it, when you're live exactly so she's, she's, She's at full voice. And so and so basically what I would do when I used to record into the computer, I, of course, you know, Audacity and all those other programs that you would use to capture audio, they have levels and you can see it. But typically I would bring up another either a web browser or something on top of that to where the audio is being, re being recorded in the background and I don't see it. And it's only after I'm done that I noticed that Stephanie was talking really low. Whereas with my with having the Edderall coming out of the mixer, I'm able to adjust her slider up or down depending upon how loud or how soft she's talking. And so yeah. that eliminated my need at all to go in and edit. And so that's why I, I basically I'm staring at my Edderall when we're recording. I'll, I'll glance over it times to time when Stephanie's having a conversation with me and I can kind of adjust it, you know, as that's we, your monitor. Yeah, exactly. And actually there's another feature that it has, uh, which is the auto gain control, which, uh, you know, a lot of units have this. And what I like about it on the Edderall is that because again, I use it a lot out in the field. I get a lot of real life audio and especially if I'm outside uh, or if I'm in a loud place or I pass by something that's loud, the unit just automatically adjusts it so that it doesn't peak. And so, I've, I used to, with the Marantz, in order to monitor the levels really properly, I mean, it has its own sort of display, but in order to really properly monitor the levels, I would actually have to wear the headphones and literally monitor it. Right. So I would, be, I, would be, I would be the sound engineer and the interviewer. You know, I'd be wearing headphones, I'd have the microphone, I'd be staring at the Marantz a lot, and, I, and you can adjust it literally as a dial on it, which is actually very useful. Um, again, I'm not saying anything against the Marantz. I love it. I think it's good for certain circumstances for me because I can really just very quickly adjust the levels should I need to. But with the Edderall, I can actually sort of be more in real life, more in the conversation, uh, and trust that my levels are going to be fine uh, in, in the final recording and uh, not have to worry about monitoring so it doesn't take me out of the conversation mentally. Um, mm -hmm. Now, let me. You just said something amazing just a moment ago. You said, "Oh, that's good information," because I'm going to need to go and buy two more Edderalls. Now, I, of course, you may have heard this, but I'm doing podcast consulting now, and I, I just, I'm so thankful that it's really taken off. I've gotten a lot of uh, great uh, leads, and and people have been giving me calls, and I've done quite a bit of paid work. And um, everybody that I talk to that is super serious, I mean, they're ready to pay money to get good equipment and do this professionally. Uh, I, of course, I also, I also uh, do have done podcast consulting for people on a budget where they're going. I actually tell them to go get a Plantronics uh, USB microphone for their computer. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I podcast consult for all range of people. And we'll we'll get back to that too because I didn't finish answering the question about my setup, which we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> so, so I did this one um, interview or a podcast consulting gig with this this gentleman. Now he's probably spent about ten or fifteen thousand dollars in a podcast studio. Okay, and he asked me for my opinion on a recording setup, and I said, "Listen, I've I've been podcasting for a while, and what I'm going to say to you is going to sound a little awkward, especially since you went ahead and already purchased a computer." 
Oh, yeah. Okay? I'm going to tell you that you're going to be better off using a dedicated digital audio recording device rather than using a computer to record your audio. And he says, really? Why is that? I said, well, there are two things. Number one, computers crash. Number two... Is and that, I think you have a little bit of experience with that lately. Exactly. And <laughs> and number two is that, believe it or not, the internal mechanisms of computers can bring hissing sounds into your audio recording that's only noticeable to people who listen with hear- headphones. However, Absolutely. you're producing podcasts, which although you do not need an iPod or a portable digital audio re- a device to play podcasts, most people do listen to them on them. And we'll be listening with headphones. And they're going to hear your hard drive kicking in from time to time unless you do a lot of processing of your audio. And also there's some EMI that that are very faint and it's almost inaudible to the human ear, but it's very disturbing at at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sorry, I mean electromagnetic interference. Exactly. And so here's what happened. He, He paid me good money for my podcasting advice, right? And, and and didn't have any problem paying me for my advice, but he did not heed the number one recommendation of getting a, a, de- a dedicated uh, device. Well, be, and, and he the only he actually wanted to heed my device, my advice, but he had somebody else helping him. He's up in Michigan, but he had somebody else doing what the producing of the audio. And so the guy says, I can't believe you paid that guy to give you that advice. That's stupid. We're not going to do that. We're get, we gotta, we've got audacity here. It's a computer. We're lined in. We're ready to go. The first three shows that he did, the, the Vista machine crashed on him right before they went live. The Macintosh system crashed on him right before they went live on the second night. And the XP machine crashed on him. The third night. Oh wow! All and are they doing a, a show like a talk show type show yes. where you have live people that are calling in at the same time? Absolutely. Right. So that just simply cannot happen. You it, need failsafe because if you're doing a live show where other people are calling in, it only takes once or twice for them to say, "Forget it." Exactly. We can't, we're not going to keep calling in if this yep. show doesn't happen. So the the good thing is is that talk show has their very low bit audio recording online, and so they were able to release that in their feed. But that's horrible. You know, yeah. and yeah. and so so, <laughs> I I see he finally he comes back and says, Cliff, I'm sorry, where do I get this device? And then he uh, looks at it, he's like, four hundred dollars, and I can hold it in the palm of my hand. It looks like a tricorder. He says, I've it looks never... like the f- tricorder from the first uh, Star Trek. <laughs> and he says, I've never paid four hundred dollars for a piece of plastic before in my life. And, I, and yeah. I said, you know what? When I got it, I felt the same way, especially when I opened the battery compartment to yeah. get my to get my SD card out. But I'll tell you what, if it broke tonight, I'd have another one shipped overnight. I don't care if it costs me an extra $50 to get it here within 12 hours, I would pay yeah. it. And well, and speaking of extra $50, I went ahead and spent the extra $50 and got the the case and the stand for it. There's an extra $50 uh, case that you can buy for it. And and what's nice about it is a case, it's a leather case that protects it, but unlike many leather cases where everything is covered in it, um, it, on the sides, it's sort of very open, and you have access to every control on the unit except for the controls on the very back, which you very rarely have to adjust sure. at, at, in the middle of recording. I mean, you know, I can set my auto gain control on. I can set my external mic type to mono or stereo, the mic gain to low or high, the low cut either off or on, and then I can put it in the case, and then I don't need to touch those again. But I have access to every other control and every other port now, where does the um, stand when it's in go? that case. 
And the stand goes, it's a, it's a tripod that sort of folds itself out and it lays flat when it's not in use. On the very back of the case, there's a little screw that is very similar to the screw that is underneath the camera. And you just screw it in right there. And of course, you need the case in order to use a tripod. You can't have a tripod without oh. the case itself. Oh, I got you. So there's no screw on the unit. The screw I'm is looking in at the, my it's unit. On I'm the like, leather I don't see case. the screw mark. <laughs> it's on the leather case. It's I sewn gotcha. into the back of the leather case, and it's exactly it's that it's that screw just like on the bottom of a of a of a camera where you that would screw in awesome. the tripod. And so what you can do if you're recording, let's say you're a musician, you're recording, you can set the tripod at an angle and you can set the whole unit exactly as you need it to be. Let's say you're recording, maybe you're a lawyer and you're recording a deposition. You can put it on the tripod at an angle right in front of the people that you're deposing and you get the perfect angle, the perfect sound quality. That is um, cool. If you're, if you're using the onboard mic. Um, I just, you know, for me, it was more about the case. And the great thing about the case, it has this, I don't know if you can hear, I'm sort of snapping and unsnapping it. It has a little snap thing where you can actually run this thing through your belt or you can just snap it onto your belt. And when I was at the New York restaurant show two weeks ago, basically my setup was amazing. I had my Edderall strapped to my belt. I had the extension for the microphone and I'm just literally holding a microphone. And then the Edderall itself was underneath my blazer. So people were like looking like, where is this? Where is this recorder? I just see a microphone. That you know, I used awesome. to be carrying. I had this thing strapped to my back. I had all kinds of junk with me. Now I have very little junk with me. Well, that is that is cool. I didn't I'm going to have to will you, if you if you happen to know of a link where you can get that, I have to look for that because now I, now I want my leather case mark. Yeah, they're selling it at B&H, so you can get it there. B&H, um, yeah. I hear that music, so I know we're near the end of the show. Yep. Um, I just wanted to point out that uh, without stealing any of your thunder, I, I like Cliff, also do some podcast consulting. Um, Jennifer and I uh, have a production company called Adventures in Gastronomy, and we do consulting for businesses uh, that want to impact it within the Epicurean space. But we also have uh, been producing podcasts for companies, even companies that aren't uh, in the food world at all. And so uh, we offer our services in that regard. So people, if anyone's interested, they can contact me. Especially uh, in the wh whereabouts in New York are you? I'm in New York City. I'm in Manhattan. Okay. And uh, and we also you know we also work with people in in the whole region. You know the the tri-state area. You know New Jersey, northern New Jersey, uh, Westchester, uh, Long Island. So um, that's certainly you know I know that there are a lot of really great podcast consultants out there. Cliff knows a lot about this, and he's a great uh, guy when it comes to a set, a home studio setup. As you hear, most of what I do is out in the field, and so I'm sort of gathering real life and then coming back and editing it together. So it's like we get, you know, we sort of attack the same beast from different angles. Absolutely. So anyway, Mark, let, let's tell folks, and I'm going to have you back. Can, will you come back on to the podcast, Answer Man? Not so Absolutely. much for just an interview, but just to talk about podcasting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I can talk about it for a long time. Of course, we, <laughs> I, I do know that because we have done that before. So let, before, let's go ahead and uh, we've got about another minute and a half. Tell folks where can they find your podcasts at? Okay. The easiest thing is to go to culinarypodcastnetwork.com. And there is our collection of all of the Culinary Podcast Network shows. Uh, our, the ones that we produce from the Gilded Fork are sort of the flagship shows. There's my show, which is called Remarkable Palette. My partner, Jennifer, her show is called Food Philosophy. We also do one called the Culinary Roundtable. And very soon, we're going to have a show called The Bachelor's Boot Camp, where Jennifer whips bachelors into shape so they can entertain their lady friends. 
And we're also going to have the Pastry Princess podcast and a brand new podcast called Welcome to Wine Country, where expert Rosina Tanari Wilson shares her 20 years as a wine judge with, uh, with the audience so to, to learn all about wine. And she's out in California. Um, and people can also hear my personal podcast at remarkablymarked.blogspot.com. And anyone who's interested in talking to me can always find me at uh, by email at remarkablepalette at gmail.com. Wow. Thank you very much, Mark. It's It's been a pleasure to get to know you over the past uh, 18 or so months. And uh, enjoying your podcast as always, I want to thank you very much for being a part of the podcast Answer Man. Likewise. And thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. All right. You can find this and all of our other podcasts at gspn.tv. Thanks for listening. internet talk show check it out at talkshoe.com